T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa dematis Lapore and Ann Baldwin. And good morning, everyone. Welcome back to The Connection. Again, I am one of your hosts, Ann Baldwin. So great to be here. And this is Lisa Dematis Lapore, the CEO from The Connection. And we've got, you know, a, a great um, honor today to have Senator Christopher Murphy on the line with us um, to talk about what he's been talking about for a long, long time. Senator Murphy, you know, I want to thank you for joining this program. And, you know, we're here to talk about all the good work that you've done in Washington and here in Connecticut because we've got a huge problem, and that's opioid addiction. Yeah, we do, and I want to thank uh, you, uh, Lisa, in particular, for your great work at the Connection. Uh, you thank guys you. gave lives, and, 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 and thank you for uh, your leadership and, and helping to get this word out. Um, listen, let's be honest, we are losing this battle right now. We're going to have more people die from opioid overdoses this year than last year. And, you know, as you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. The fact of the matter is you can't really measure this epidemic by deaths alone because there are you know, thousands more lives that are changed, altered, uh, ruined uh, because of addiction, even if you don't ultimately lose your life because of it. Uh, and I, I think there's two pieces to this. One is that we simply don't have the resources to put together the kind of coordinated treatment that you guys, you know, are, 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 are able to uh, provide and advocate for. Um, and there are efforts in Washington to dramatically cut back the amount of money that we spend on addiction treatment. The Healthcare bill that narrowly failed in the United States Senate would have devastated Connecticut's um, Medicaid budget. Medicaid pays for about half of all addiction treatment in Connecticut. Um, and so we unfortunately seem to be playing more defense than offense these days when it comes to funding for uh, treatment. Um, but then, you know, uh, 80% of uh, opioid addicts start on prescription pain medication. And it right. just is bewildering to me that we can't figure out a way to get the profession, the medical profession, to find other pathways to treat pain beyond these pills. And uh, a lot of that lies in the insurance companies that uh, refuse to cover things other than pills for pain medication. Um, a lot of that is research that we haven't done yet on alternative uh, pain um, uh, uh, regimes, uh, but we've got to uh, do more uh, with the medical profession itself. You know, Senator Murphy, I wanted to to bring something up, because in, in doing our research for the show, we know that you and uh, Senator Blumenthal recently held a, a summit over the summer in Bridgeport um, on exactly what we're talking about. And one of the things that, that you talked about is that, you know, it's not only devastating, the opioid adem epidemic is not only devastating um, people across the nation, but especially here in Connecticut. But, you know, accidental deaths we talk, talk about now, it's not just opioids, it's fentanyl. 
that's also having an impact. So, you know, just keeps getting bigger, badder, and worse. And and do you think that we're making, are you making any um, headway in Washington and here in Connecticut? I mean, what can we do? What We feel so hopeless when it comes to this. Yeah, fentanyl is a particular problem here. Fentanyl is uh, unbelievably lethal. And, you know, we're working with law enforcement to try to crack down on these uh, pathways of distribution for fentanyl. But again, the, the way that people get to fentanyl um, is largely through prescription drug right. abuse. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so, you know, we've got to, um, you know, we've got to have a solution for patients who are in pain, but who don't want to go onto these pills. And, you know, part of this has been driven by, um, you know, Medicare, which has for a long time pushed providers mm-hmm. towards pain management. Um, and and they're, they were evaluated based on their pain management. Uh, so, you know, we've, we've got to have um, a little bit more awareness at the federal level of what this, um, what this pain medication uh, has, uh, has, has done. But fentanyl, you know, is a law enforcement problem, but it still is rooted in the prescription drug uh, abuse in this country and in the state. Correct. I attended the um, conference at the Yale Law School, last week and you know many top officials spoke with regard to the opioid crisis in general but also you know in Connecticut and I was really uh, was stunning that the amount of prescriptions that are being written for folks um, senator that also which I can't wrap my head around especially you know in, with the programs that we run at The Connection because we see it on a regular basis, but prescriptions are being written for folks in which it, has, it is diagnosed and in their file that they have an addiction problem. And they're still giving them, you know, these prescriptions, which really um, is upsetting, obviously, you know, from my standpoint of seeing clients that are suffering already that are, you know, giving them prescriptions, you know, to deal with some pains that are, you know, really minor or with, you know, things where they could be taking an extra strength Tylenol and it's really quick to, you know, write a script. In addition to that, I have to tell you that I'm really concerned um, because of our wait list at The Connection for our programs, for folks that have opioid addiction. Um, we are administering Narcan on a regular basis, which concerns me. I'm also concerned, obviously, as other providers are in Connecticut with this, you know, fentanyl crisis and exposure to fentanyl. And, you know, my, I've, you know, recently we're now getting protective gear for our staff. And when they're doing room searches, because I'm afraid that they're going to be exposed to fentanyl if they're, you know, because I mean, it, it just seems to be getting larger and larger. And I'm sure you're aware there's was over a thousand deaths um, of because of opioids just in one month here and that they don't even have the ability coroners to store bodies at this point because the, the, the because the death rate is so huge. Yeah, I mean, we're on track for over a thousand deaths over the course of the year from overdoses in the state, okay, which yeah. would be, um, yeah, which would be unfortunately a, a very uh, tragic record for the state. Listen, there should be no waiting list anywhere for these services. Now, I was a big part of a bill that we passed at the end of last year mm-hmm. that um, uh, that put in a, a, a billion dollars in emergency funding for treatment. But when you spread out a billion dollars all across the country, um, it is a drop in the bucket. It, it simply doesn't do anything to address this, this crisis. And I always compare it to what we did for Ebola. 
Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember Ebola? Yes. Um, yes. It was. It was a. It was a foreign threat. There were less than six known cases of it mm-hmm. here in the United States. You know how much money we spent on Ebola? Four billion dollars. So we spent one billion dollars. One billion dollars on an emergency that is going to kill a thousand Connecticut residents this year, and we spent four billion dollars on an epidemic that didn't. That, that, that not more than six people contracted in the entire country. And I'm going to tell you, at the root of that is discrimination. At the root of that is, is, is a prejudice against people who have become addicted to these drugs. There is still a feeling amongst many of my colleagues that it's their problem, that it's their mm-hmm. fault. And if you have talked to anybody, and obviously I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but I tell my colleagues, you spend time with people in recovery. You spend time with people who led full, productive, responsible lives until they got a back injury, they got on a pain medication, their brain chemistry was changed Mm -hmm. um, to make them addicted to it, spiraling into an opioid addiction. Um, The people who are in these situations never, ever expected they would be there, and they don't deserve this kind of discriminatory treatment by their government. Can I just say thank you? This is Ann Senator Murphy, because I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but I myself am in recovery from alcohol. And, you know, and seven years sober now, and, you know, we talk about the stereotypes, and I really, from a person in recovery's perspective, appreciate you humanizing not only my disease but the opioid addiction because there are things, there are gateway drugs, there are mainly prescription drugs that lead to this, which you just, which you just mentioned. So thank you for saying that to your colleagues. To, you know what? These are people just like me, just like Anybody else that gets the services at the connection, these are real people, business people, successful people, young people, old people. You know, there is no, there is no, um, you know, picture of a person when you look up an addict and, and what you think it is exactly. is totally different than the reality of what it is. And I know we just have a, a, a couple more minutes with you, Senator. So we'll let you go with any final thoughts you have and think about, you know, what do you want? What can the people out there listening to this program do? What's our call to action? Well, listen, our, our call to action is to you know, wake up this country to the fact that um, this is an epidemic that's beatable. If we have the treatment resources to really uh, help coordinate care for people who show up in these emergency rooms, and we have the courage to get tough with the profession and the drug industry, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we can beat this thing. I mean, the reality is, is that there are some real bad actors here. There are some drug companies that push these pills in an inappropriate way. There are still physicians that are dramatically overprescribing, Agreed. and we just shouldn't we shouldn't accept it any uh, any longer and so you know if we're going to spend 600 billion dollars a year on the u.s military to get security right for this country well you know we have a security crisis right now when it comes to this opioid uh, epidemic this crisis is making all of us insecure because they're but for the grace of god it could be us or our son or our sister or our brother who's taken down by this epidemic you're much more at risk of dying from uh, an overdose than you are from a terrorist attack today by a factor of a thousand. You're so absolutely let's right. Spend the money to let's spend the money to take this on, and I need everybody to be advocating in Hartford and in Washington uh, for real resources to take on this crisis. And you know, Senator Murphy, I just want to tell you that I have the highest regard for you and. Your words today are really stunning and important, and I hope that our listeners are hearing loud and clear how serious this problem is, not only in Connecticut, but throughout the United States. And I just want to let you know that we see people in and out on a daily basis that come from middle to upper class families that are 
pretty significant people in Connecticut that are having this problem. So people need to really wake up and realize that this is a massive, massive problem. I have not seen this. I've been in this field since the early 80s. I have never seen an epidemic like this. So thank you so much for you know your, ad, your advocacy, your belief in this, humanizing how serious this problem is. And really, we're standing by you here and you know really hoping that we can somehow wrap our hands around this and that there's money available and that we don't cut it. We cannot cut these services. People are dying left and right, and we have to take this seriously. Well, send uh, my thanks to everyone at the connection. You do uh, just fantastic work, and uh, you know you. I'm just going to try to tell these stories in Washington. Thanks, guys. All right, and thank you. Thank for, you, Thank Senator you for Murphy. taking time. Thank you Senator. so very much. Bye bye. So, how great was that? You know, Senator uh, Christopher Murphy, a very very busy man, but you know, such a strong voice and an advocate for those suffering from addiction and especially opioids. Um, but I got to tell you, selfishly, you know, as an alcoholic, I get a little bit jealous that the opioid people are getting all the attention that all of a sudden this is a big deal and it's an epidemic. Why aren't, or why wasn't there that focus on, you know, alcoholism? Is it not just as deadly? Is it not just as big of a national crisis as opioids? Is that a stupid question? It's, I think that the definitely alcoholism is a, is a huge problem. Addiction is addiction. Having said that, if they're, when you're looking at numbers and data, the data is showing that the deaths, the, the higher level of deaths are being caused by the opioid crisis. And the other issue is that they, there, there is, is no research or numbers showing that people are being able to recover from opioid abuse. They're dying, period. You can't recover, or you don't recover from that. There's not a lot of people that do. Really? The number is very small. The addiction happens immediately. Kind of like heroin. Kind of like, exactly. This reminds me of the heroin crisis yep. way back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And what I used to see when I started working in this field, and that's exactly what's happening. They're dying immediately. It's almost there's no time to even get into recovery because the addiction takes over immediately, and the next time they use it, people are dying because of the, fent the fentanyl too. It's, it's an it's additive. Mixing, it's so an you additive. Know I know we're kind of backing up, and we're starting, you know, but we, you know, we had a certain uh, time frame available with Senator Murphy, so we wanted to get his perspective on this. So let's back up a little bit. And I consider myself, even though I've been to rehab, I consider myself pretty naive when it comes to all this mm -hmm. drug stuff. You know, I'm just, I'm still learning and trying to educate myself. So an opioid is a derivative, true or false, from some sort of a painkiller, like, you know, some sort of a narcotic. Is that correct? Right. And so how do you take, how does, how, can you, can you take a pill as an opioid? Do you shoot it up? Do you snort every, it? Every way, every. Anything every, possible. Right. Okay, so is the opioid a direct derivative of what you're given as a prescription from the doctor and then they just change the consistency well, some of people, that? Yes, yeah, some people are doing that or it's being sold on the street. It's being cut with fentanyl mm -hmm. and the fentanyl is really killing people because it's so deadly. You, uh, you what could, does fentanyl do to it? It does make it more of a, gives you more of a high? It does, but the other piece of it is that it's actually a poison. So what we've been learning is that 
the tiniest little drop if you were to, if you touch it and ingest it you die immediately there is no time and so that's what the issue is so the they're they're cutting it now with more and more fentanyl so it's the first time that people are using it they're dying period that's why narcan is really what people you know and yeah. I, i've seen this thing you know well why is it that Narcan is free, but for people that have diabetes, they have to pay all this money to, you know, you know, we could argue this back and forth, right. but the reality is that, you know, you've got the, these, you know, the drug cartels, you have, the, they, they can't stop this, the, these drugs from coming in. People are buying it. They're cutting it with more and more of this, you know, um, additive and it's complete poison and people are, that's it. You're done. They're, you know, that people aren't understanding this. They just don't understand the chemical effect that right. it has and when you it's know, being ingested. We work closely um, at my company, Baldwin Media. We work closely with Glastonbury EMS. And, you know, we did a whole story on that, um, on Narcan and, and how they administer it. And, you know, the fact that, you know, sometimes they have to administer two or three That's doses right. of Narcan. But, you know, and we've had them on this program, too, and we talked to to them about the fact that sometimes people will get up with the Narcan needle yep. still in their and arms use. and use. I know. You know, but I understand. I understand addiction. I understand the helplessness and hopelessness that comes with just wanting that next, next drink. High, yep. You know, so I have compassion for that. But what I can't understand is what is it or what can people do or if someone has a loved one who's got an opioid addiction you know what can somebody do to get them the help and how do you know when that time is if you say people are just dying from it now not everyone who takes opioids is dying from no it. it's not okay the, the bottom line is treatment is key and dealing with the issues that are causing folks to turn to drugs is really key and that's why we need to get people in the problem is that there are waiting lists there is a lack of treatment in Connecticut and there are there really are very few extremely few programs that deal only with opioid addiction I don't think folks have really been able to cap capsulize what exactly is the treatment that works we don't really know yet we're not really sure. We weren't ready for this. We Nobody were, was ready really, for this, we're, right? We weren't ready for this. Not ready for it. Now, you just heard, uh, and if you're just tuning in, we had Senator Christopher Murphy on, who's been a huge champion, um, and talked about how a lot of this is, you know, physician-driven. It is. I mean, there's a lot of great physicians out there. there but are. there's, like any profession, there's some bad ones, too. And then the pharmaceutical companies, and that, you know, they've got to be stopped. But their lobby is so big. Their lobby is so huge. You know, just like big tobacco. You know, everybody knows that tobacco's bad for you and that it can eventually kill you or lead to things that will kill you. But they go on, and people still smoke, and people still buy cigarettes. You're not going to stop a strong lobby well, like that. So, and, you know, I think the... The uh, statistics that I found extremely um, stunning when I went to the opioid crisis um, conference that they had at the Yale, Yale Law School was kids between the ages of 14 and, and 18 are getting prescribed these types of drugs for athletic injury. Now, that's not everyone, but uh, they had four, five, excuse me, five moms that were from all over the country that came and spoke about how each one, except for one mother, the rest of them 
these were successful kids. They were, I just, and I'm saying this just to make a point. They were white from middle upper class families. They were excellent in school. They, the, these four boys that all died by the age of 21 or 22 were hurt either playing football or soccer. I forget what the other, what, and they were prescribed opioids for the pain for their surgery. They went on those drugs. They went back to playing sports. They got addicted to the high, mm-hmm. right? And they died. And these moms had videos, a story about these children's lives. There was not a dry eye in the house. The point was, why are prescriptions being made for kids for, for that age group? I think that's a problem. It's a problem, but where are the parents? Okay, you've got a young son. Your son gets a sports injury. You go to the doctor with him. You look at what he's prescribed. Do you say something? Well, here's the thing. Now, because I know what's going on, I would be concerned about that. I don't want my child to be in pain. Right. All right, folks, this is not criticizing doctors. I, You know, many of us wouldn't be alive today if we didn't have our doctors. I'm saying that if you have a kid, maybe he's a high achiever, there's a chemical imbalance there. There could be issues going on. They take this drug. It makes them feel better. They're able to go back and play sports again. Get the A+, plus, get the A+. Plus. I'm just telling you stories of what we saw, what was presented at this conference, okay? Right. They get addicted to it. Do people question doctors for prescriptions? Do they, do, are, 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 is everyone aware of what it, what it means? Do we know when a child is addicted? Do we not know? We're assuming that everyone picks up on that. If a doctor, if I, I love my pediatrician. He's amazing. If he tells me that my son needs X, Y, and Z, I trust this man completely. I do. I think he's fabulous. Thank you, Dr. Carlson, if you're listening. <laughs> All right. If he's giving Nico a script, I'm going to fill that script, but I'm going to be cognizant of what, you know, what are, what are the milligrams? How often does he have to take it? Is, you know, how much pain is he in? But do, am I, if I'm not aware of, I don't work in the field, am I going to know immediately my kid's going to get addicted to that? Not necessarily. Right. Right. And so, you know, and I think another component of this too is administering the drug, you know, knowing that if, if you Google something. Time, isn't it time limit? You know, scripts should be time limited. Ta- well, time limited and, but like Google it and find out, does it have a dis- addictive characteristics? And if it does, you know, even as an adult, especially in my situation, I mean, it, it's in my chart, you know, that I'm in recovery. I'm not, I put this in there. Do I do not want this, 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 or this. But not everybody looks at the chart, right? Not or you don't, you might have another physician's assistant. You might have somebody else. But I know that if I weren't ever going to be in need of a pain med, I would have that administered to me. I'd have somebody else in charge of saying, here you go. You take this pill now and we'll come back when you need another one. You know, there's things that you just have to take control over because this world is changing, you know, and it's opioids now and who knows what's next. I mean, and I have a relative who's really, really big in the DEA. And he says to me, Ann, we're never going to win this battle on drugs. It's never going to get any better. So all we, what we can do is we just got to try to get fewer and Educate. fewer people educated. educated and, yeah. and, and that point of entry and educating folks when they're little, when they're young, when they're eight, when they're nine, when they're 10, you know, that's when you got to start talking about this yeah. stuff because don't be naive and think that they're not going to be exposed to it or, or know about it because it's out there, folks. You know, I have uh, a, a colleague of mine 
who's in recovery um, for many years and is really successful and I just think an amazing role model. Um, he had some massive surgery done, mm -hmm. right? And he was prescribed. Oh, he had to. He was in so much pain, right? He was on it, but for a limited time. He shared with me that he said, I had a really tough time. I was, you know, I, he has a, t a tight program. He has a sponsor. He takes care of himself. He does all of that. He was in such pain and the doctor knew this and it was time limited and, you know, his significant other, you know, administered and make sure and all that. But he told me I had a really tough time. It was, it was really kicking up my, you know, feelings of, you know, when I used and what my life was and it would, I could see how quick I could get addicted to it. But the pain was, and, he, and, you know, he said, and I've been, you know, struggling and I had to get off of it and it was really difficult. He said, but the pain was so bad. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't move. I couldn't do this. I couldn't do that. So, you know, time limited. But again, you know, having an awareness and not having an awareness that it could be a problem, I think is really key. Mm-hmm. You know, and you heard Senator uh, Murphy say nobody should be waiting for a program. I know. Nobody should be waiting. But you, you know, here you are, president and CEO of The Connection. You say folks are waiting. Yes, they are. What do we need? What, what needs to, how can that change? We have over 800 people on one wait list. How many? 800 families. At The Connection. That are approved. At The, the Connection. Yes. 800. That's right. And how many people can you hold in, in a program? This, the program I'm talking about holds about 525 clients with, and that's one individual and that does not include their children that are with them. All right. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is that for housing and wraparound services, et cetera, 800 people, those 800 people on the list are called and we are trying, you know, refer them outpatient. So to keep them actively involved, but the, uh, those 800 people, this is for housing this is for housing instability mm -hmm. that have had substance abuse, et Which cetera, is all part of it, right. Have been approved on the wait list. So this isn't some number I'm grabbing to say, oh, 800 calls we have, they're on the wait list. These are families that have been screened and assessed and are appropriate for this level of treatment. And this is happening all over. This is just Connecticut, our little small state. So other states are having the same issue where we don't have enough capacity to treat the problems and I think education is huge and people you know think it's oh it's only you know minority it's only this it's all that is so untrue mm -hmm. it's so untrue it's it's it, got to it, be it, across it's, just, it's a huge it's just a huge problem across the board for mental health for mental health substance abuse opioid addish, addiction domestic violence you know it, it's all part of the same it's equation all, it's all you know part senator of it. murphy said he said mental health and opioid addiction go hand in hand mm -hmm. you know so if you've got to address the mental health issues in order to address the addiction issues uh, you know we could talk about this forever but unfortunately in this program we're out of time but again a special thanks to senator christopher murphy and um also beth connor in your office who spent a lot of time going through the senator's office he's not an easy guy to get on this program and she was persistent and uh and i think he truly appreciates the good work and he said that that the connection does so uh, that's one step in the right direction I'm, I'm really grateful for the work that he's doing and his acknowledgement and the fact that he's you know looking he knows the state needs money for inter intervention and long-term treatment options well this has been another great conversation on behalf of myself Ann Baldwin and Lisa Demetis Lepore I want to thank all of you for listening because without you we wouldn't be here and we'll be back again same time same place on WTIC News Talk 1080
has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.